Yo, what's up, junkies? Welcome back to another Sales Funnel Junkie podcast with your host, SF. And today we got an amazing guest. She's a ClickFunnel 2 Comma Club Award winner. She's the queen of online summits. And the reason I brought her on the show today is because I want you to give you guys the principles and strategies on how to run an online event and why it's so important to it. So without further ado, let's get into it. Richard, welcome on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Uh, just to give you a quick background on what the show is about, it's basically uh, I created the show to give my audience more tactics and, and strategies on how to scale their sales funnels and business in general. Because when I started out, I like I literally couldn't find any great um, um, mentors in, in terms of different niches. And I bought different courses, but not the right one, obviously. So that's why I went out and searched for the best in their field. And today's just gonna pick your brain on some terms and some uh, fields. So let's dive right in. Uh, for everybody that doesn't know you, introduce yourself, what you're about, and yes. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. My name is Bailey Richard, and I am a business coach for infopreneurs, which means that I help individuals launch uh, businesses where they can monetize their life experience, knowledge, and passion through information products and services like eBooks, online courses, coaching, masterminds, things like that. So normally my clients are people that are either in the nine to five and wishing that they could escape their corporate job. And they want to do that by launching usually a personal brand. Um, um, or sometimes I also work with people that have already started their infopreneur businesses, but they're not quite reaching their goals and they want to um, you know, learn some new strategies to help them increase their monthly revenues. Awesome. Um, so let's start that. I know before you uh, did or become a coach, it wasn't this, this coach highly seen in the society in info product space. So take us back to that kind of normal life before this whole coaching experience? What were you doing before that? Sure. So I'm from America. I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the United States of America, I mean. And um, I really was taught the American dream. And um, I was taught that you know the right thing to do was to go to school, work hard, and eventually you'll get a job, work for 50 years, and then you can retire and, and you know have your life then, enjoy your retirement. Um, and that's the path that I pursued for a long time. I thought that was the right thing to do. So I worked really hard in high school and I became valedictorian. I got a scholarship to go study engineering at university. University. So I got my bachelor's and master's. And then eventually I wound up working out as an environmental engineering consultant in California for a couple of years. Around the age of 25, though, I started to have what is called a quarter life crisis. And it's exactly like what you think. It's like a midlife crisis only when you're 25 and not when you're 40. And basically, I just started to realize that the life that I was living, this corporate life, isn't really what I wanted. And I started to consider other opportunities. And that's when I started getting into online business. It was a long journey, though, from you know working my nine to five to being the full-time coach that I am today. I did leave my corporate job. I uh, enrolled in grad school at MIT so that I could study entrepreneurship and business and also work on my business. And um, I've been fully self-employed doing this coaching thing now for several years. But um, it was it was a wild ride looking back on it all. Awesome. And I know like you're into traveling and I know that they were like the first ball start lowering in traveling niche. 
Um, are you doing something specific with that as well, or are you just planning to uh, only have like info products uh, clients at this moment? Yeah. So what you're talking about is the very first infopreneur business that I ever did, which was yeah. in the travel niche. So just like most infopreneurs or most entrepreneurs of any kind of business, you know, the thing that you might find success in is probably not the first thing you ever tried. A lot of times entrepreneurs have to try lots of different businesses to kind of figure out what works. And when I was just getting started in this world of online business, I decided that I was going to do info products, but I was not going to coach them at that time. I, how could I have been a coach? I didn't know enough. So I I started doing things in a travel niche. So I wrote books, I did online courses, I did speaking about how to travel abroad, how to travel internationally. I served a lot of college students because in the USA, a lot of times people are going um, to different countries for the first time whenever they're in college for study abroad semesters. I studied abroad twice when I was in college. So I had a lot of connections to that industry. And uh, I did that for a couple of years very successfully. And that's where I really found my first success doing info products. And I made the switch over to coaching because I started teaching people about the success that I achieved in the travel niche first. So people would come to me and they would say, you know, how did you self-publish that book for no money? How are you able to launch that course? How are you getting these speaking gigs? And I would say, well, you know, here's how. Let me let me show you. And at that time, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to be a coach. I was just trying to help other people with my knowledge, with what I knew. And so eventually, though, I decided, you know, there's so many people that are asking me about this. I should start teaching it. I should start putting it up online, do a blog, that sort of stuff. And that business, my coaching business, which is what I do now full-time today, has just totally, it just totally grew so quickly because the desire for other people to learn was just so great. And uh, I did have to put my travel business on the back burner, as they say, so that I could focus on my coaching business full-time. But I don't regret that decision. It was, it was a good decision and I love what I do. Awesome. And you just said like you choose to go into the infra product niche in the beginning. Like, mm -hmm. was there anything specific about that niche that you were like, this is the one for me or did you just went in there as like, you know what, let me just see what's in it for me. It's sure. Yeah. That's a great question. Well, I think earlier on in my life, like many years earlier, like when I was in college and things like that, I had dabbled in other types of entrepreneurship. Like I did photography. I I'm, an, I'm an amateur photographer, but I was kind of going professional for a little while and I did some <laughs> weddings and some stuff. And, and so I had some experience doing business, like, you know, in the small sense in, in different ways. Uh, I had looked into, you know, physical products and e-commerce for a little while. So I had a little bit of experience in a few things. And I think I had learned from those experiences a lot about what I liked and what I didn't like. And so when I was getting really serious around the age of 25, when I was working out in California, when I was getting really serious about being a business owner at that time, I really did sit down hard and think about what kind of lifestyle I wanted, what type of business would support that lifestyle. There were several other gurus online that were doing online business type stuff that I was following that really guided me in that direction, I think as well. And another thing was that I love to write. I think I'm an excellent writer. It's one of my strong skill sets. Yes, and you are. Thank you. And um, <laughs> so one of the reasons that I also decided to get into the info product space was that I thought, well, I'll write books. You know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be an author. I'll write nonfiction books. 
And that's kind of how I got started. Now, of course, I realized along the way that to really make an income, you know, it's, you have to do so much more than books. You have to do courses and coaching and services, and it's a whole value ladder, right? But that's what naive little Bailey was thinking when I got started was, oh, I'll just, I'll write books and that'll be my primary thing. So that's kind of how I got into the info product world. But even, even still though, I did know because travel is so important to me and I really wanted lifestyle freedom. I knew that I, I couldn't have a brick and mortar business. I couldn't open a bakery. I mean, I didn't want to anyway, but the point is, you know, I, I couldn't do anything that was going to be like retail or something. It had to be online. And so I had to figure out a way that I could really make that work for me. And one of the nice things about info products and services is that the profit margins are really high, you know? Um, so, so many years now of people in this space have really worked hard together to make those, uh, to make the prices higher. So the profit margins are high. And, you know, whenever you're doing info products, you're delivering an ebook, you know, there's no, there's really marginal costs associated with delivering, you know, you have to an yeah. ebook, you have to pay for emails and stuff, but it's not the same as, you know, shipping a product where you exactly. have to pay for inventory and fulfillment and boxes and, and all that other you know stuff, cost of goods even. Yeah. And so you don't have to deal with any of that. So it's also a really just easy way to get into business. If that's something people are looking to do. Awesome. And when did you realize that, okay, I got this info product uh, a niche, like my business is around info products. Where did you like transition into being uh, kind of more summit oriented, like hosting summits or organizing summits? Yes. So one of the things that I am really well known for are virtual summits. And that's because it's one of the main things that I teach. Now, I want to be clear that my business itself is about infopreneurship, info products and services of all kinds. And virtual summits is just one of those. And so the way I kind of describe it is like in your business, you have an umbrella topic, right? Something that just covers everything. So for me, that's infopreneurship. But then underneath that, you have these like pillars of content that you teach on. So business is a really big topic and there's tons of different pillars that people can teach on. Some of my pillars are virtual summits, ebook and self-publishing, online courses, sales funnels, things like that, right? But there's so many other things out there that I don't teach on that other people do. Social media, I don't teach on social media. Other people can do that. Like how to do good copywriting, I don't really talk about that. Other people do, right? So virtual summits is one of the things I talk about. Now, how did I get into that? Well, it all started when I was starting my coaching business. So I was transitioning from doing the travel niche stuff into the coaching business full-time. And even though I had all of this experience and knowledge about info products, the reality is I was serving a new audience. And so I went from serving travelers to serving people that wanted to start businesses, two totally different groups of people. And therefore, I was really starting a business from scratch. So even though it sounds similar, like, oh, you're doing info products, it's like the same, it was actually a totally different business. So I didn't have an email list. Nobody knew me as a coach. I didn't have that kind of credibility. Nobody knew me as a digital marketer. And I really needed to find a way to get my business up and started quickly. And so one of the best things that you can do when you're just getting started and you're trying to grow an email list is JV partnerships with other people, because there are going to be peers in your niche that already have email lists or databases of your ideal clients. So if you think about it, you basically have two options. You can go out and spend a ton of money on ads and try to get people onto your list, but that's going to cost a ton of money. Or you can just go to some of your colleagues and you can say, Hey, can we do something together? Can we work together? A JV 
baby webinar, a summit or something like that. And one of the reasons that I like doing a summit is that you can put together a summit in only about 90 days, but you can get huge returns because instead of working like one-on-one, like me asking you to do a JV webinar and getting access to your list, I can do, you know, we can have 30, 25 to 30 people on a summit. So I can have the access to the email lists of potentially 25 or 30 people that are going to promote my event to their audience. So all of those people on their email lists are going to then sign up through my sales funnel, my virtual summit funnel, and they'll join my email list. And that's how you can basically get your business started a lot faster. Plus, there's a lot of other side benefits that you know people don't often talk about aside from the email list. The credibility that you get as an event host online, the credibility that you get for being positioned next to other experts as guest speakers, you know, um, the new opportunities because people see your event and then they say, hey, can I interview you for my podcast and things like that. So it's a really fantastic way to increase your authority, your credibility, grow your email list and bring in some money to help you really launch your business. Awesome. Awesome. And I know you talk about um, in your courses about the 12 steps. And I know we don't have all that time right now, but just give a quick overview of how that uh, 12 step works in hosting a summit. Sure. So basically, uh, like I mentioned, a virtual summit can be hosted in 90 days from start to finish. That's three months. And so each month is a phase, phase one, two, and three. And inside of each phase, there's a couple of different steps that you need to do to complete the phase. So phase one is all about planning. So you need to sit down and actually decide what is my summit going to be called? What is it going to be about? Who do I want to invite? What are we going to talk about it? How many days is it going to be? You know, when is it going to be? You know, things like that. And then you need to start doing some outreach to your speakers. So the people that you want to participate in your summit as guest experts, who are they? And you need to send some emails and some videos and try to get their attention and get them to agree to do an interview with you. And you'll go ahead and start interviewing those people. I recommend that you do pre-recorded interviews. Live video today is still not as good as we want it to be. Plus, a lot of times speakers, you know, things come up, they don't show up for their interview. And if that happens, that really leaves you in a pretty terrible position because your audience is expecting that guest expert to show up. But when you have everything pre-recorded, you know the content is going to be ready and raring to go. So that's phase one. Phase two then is the creating phase, which is where you're going to focus basically on your sales funnel and the technology. So you're going to need to create a sales funnel to for people to register for your summit, to be able to buy your products in the funnel. You're going to need to set up landing pages where you can show the videos on the actual day of the summit. You're going to need to create a membership area for people that upgrade to the all access pass. You'll need an affiliate program. You know, there's certain technical things that you're going to need and all of that gets done during phase number two. Phase number three is the launch phase. So it's all about promotion and then actually hosting your event. So we promote a virtual summit for about three weeks or so, try to get as many people into the summit as possible. And then the final week of phase three, that's when we actually host or launch the event. So normally I recommend that a virtual summit should be around three to four days, Monday to Wednesday or Monday to Thursday is about right. Awesome. And that's Amazing. You, know, you just said that um, you guys launch like the, 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 the promotion weeks around three weeks. But was there any launch secrets that you guys or like that you used in, in the previous years that built your kind of business so quickly and so rapidly? 
Sure. I think one of the biggest things that you can do is really tap into your speakers. So a lot of people think, well, you know, going into phase three, this is one of the biggest mistakes I see. Going into phase three, people are kind of tired. They've already been working on their event for two months. They did a lot of recording. They did a lot of funnel work. And, you know, so many summit hosts are doing it all themselves. And so they get kind of exhausted. And when they get into launch phase, phase three, they start to just sit back and say, well, I'm going to let my speakers promote. I'm just going to let my speakers do it. But the thing is, they don't really promote alongside their speakers and they're not really encouraging their speakers, but the speakers are the most powerful tool that you have to get people into your summit because they have that awesome email list. So what you really need to be doing is everything that you can to keep your speakers engaged, send them weekly emails, create a speaker only Facebook group. Every time that somebody makes an affiliate sale, celebrate them in the group, you know, Um, send emails regularly to people that haven't promoted yet, you know, check up on other people, you know, on social media and things like that and and see if they're promoting or not. If they're not really promoting, reach out to them privately and say, Hey, just wanted to let you know that, you know, we only have one week left to promote. I noticed you haven't made any affiliate sales. What can I do to help? Give them graphics, give them email copy, give them social media swipe copy, just make it so easy for them to actually share, you know, make it so that they don't have to do any work and they're much more likely to share. So I think that's a huge misconception is that people think, well, I'll just, you know, let my speakers do all of the work, but really it's you as the host that needs to yeah. do all of the work. Definitely, definitely. Thank you for that. You guys, if you're not writing this down, please make sure to grab a pen and go back at least 10 minutes back to start writing things down. Um, that's. I know you're doing also courses on how to launch your course, and I know that you stated that um, don't do free beta tests, or like don't mm-hmm. do beta tests. Why is that, and what's your own um, unique a few on that. Why shouldn't people be doing a beta test to, let's say, test your material? Okay, so here, so that's there's a lot I could talk about here. I could this could literally be a five hour course, but basically, <laughs> um, when people do online courses, what they often do is this: they have an idea for a course, then they create the course, and then they try to sell it. And that's a really bad process to follow because you could be wasting your time. You create a whole bunch of materials and spend a whole bunch of time recording video and things, but then nobody may buy it, right? So what I recommend is that people need to pre-sell their course, which means that you have your idea for your course, then you tell your audience about it and you actually sell it first. And then after that, you will create the materials in order to launch the program. So when people actually lay money down for a program, that's when you have idea validation. That's when they're saying, yes, I actually want this. I'm actually willing to pay for this even before it's ready. Pre-selling is a really common thing that we do in the online course industry, but people are nervous about it for some reason. It makes them feel uncomfortable. Why do you think that? Oh, I think it's... I think it's because it's just, it's not something that, you know, to receive money for something that they haven't built yet makes people feel uncomfortable. And then they feel like they're beholden to this deadline, right? Well, I already accepted the money. I have to create the program and it makes them nervous. It's so much more comfortable for us just to say, well, I'm working on my course and it's been three years, right? Like, you know, to pre-sell means you have to do it. You have to do it because you already accepted money for it. Now, to your question about beta testing, beta testing can mean a lot of different things, but here's what I think that it means. We see a lot of people want to try to give away their course for free. So what they'll do is they'll say to their audience, Hey, I'm accepting 10 people for this free beta course. 
And I want you to come through and do the program and then give me a testimonial. And that never works because anytime that people receive something for free, they don't actually care about it. They're never going to finish it. They only said, yes, I'll do it because they wanted the free stuff, but they're not actually trying to help you. They're not going to finish the program. And usually it's not the best use of your time. If you're going at this, if you're creating your course because you're trying to make sales, because you're trying to make money, then doing a beta program is only just going to take more time before you're actually really ready to get out there and sell your program. Because after you do the the beta as well, you're kind of advertising it to the people in your audience. So they've sort of heard about it, but then they thought it was free. So then if you try to sell it later for money, people will be like, I could have got it for free before, you know? So I, in in general, I I just, I don't like it whenever people give away their things for free and they say they're just trying to get testimonials. They never get good testimonials. You're better off just pre-selling at a discount. And telling people, hey, if you sign up during this pre-sale period, I'll give you 50% off. And then on this date, maybe one month in the future or something, that's when the course is going to go live. The price is going to double, you know, and so people aren't going to then, you know, be able to get it for the half price anymore. And so there's a huge urgency then for people to want to come and buy it during the pre-sale period. Definitely, because people got, it might like just listen to what you say, like people got to pay to play the game. Most people just want to have the um, golden nugget without doing anything. And mm-hmm. usually I've done it in the past as well. So I'm guilty of that. Sorry that I'm taking like, not like really courses, but like just things online for free, even like eBooks, you know, you, you sign up and then it goes into your junk and that's it. You don't read it. You don't do anything with it. So I'm guilty of that. And definitely um, I can relate to that. Not that, like on both sides, you know? Um, um, what's, what's the myth that you think there's in right now on the online space in terms of courses and, and um, online webinars? Because I feel like they're like overused. Everybody's trying to sell courses and automated webinars, but what's the myth that you believe that isn't true? So there's so many myths that I think are, you know, touted out there about online courses and online business and info products. You know, people used to say, oh, radio is dead, but it's been what, 50 years and radio is still alive. So people will try to tell you, oh, online courses are dead. Ebooks are dead. Facebook marketing is dead. Email marketing is dead. Nothing is dead. Everything is still fine. It all works. But the thing is that you just have to do it the right way. You have to do it strategically. You really have to understand your audience. You know, there's so many things out there. And maybe something doesn't work for somebody else, but it'll definitely work for you. Or maybe something worked for you, but not for somebody else. And so I think that what's really important is to understand that um, these like blanket statements that, oh, something is dead or courses are dead isn't true. When it comes to online courses specifically, what I will say is this, there, there are a lot of courses out there. Absolutely. The market is getting a little bit more saturated. However, the online course industry is still growing. You know, it's billions and billions of dollars every year. So there's still tons of opportunity for you to make money. But I think that the way people think about online courses does need to change a little bit. People talk a lot about online courses. And the first thing that they think of is video. They're like, well, how many hours of video should I put in my course? And I say, it's not about the number of hours of video. What you're trying to do with your online course is to help people implement and take action 
and get results as quickly as possible. Nobody wants to sit and watch 30 hours of video. And even if you gave them 30 hours of video, they wouldn't actually get results because they're going to stop halfway through and they're not going to have all of the assets and resources that they need to succeed. So what people need to be doing, what we course creators need to do is think, what can I give this person in my course in addition to the video training that's going to help them get results faster? Can I give them a ClickFunnels funnel template for their sales funnel? Can I give them email scripts, video scripts, an action plan, worksheets, social media images that they can model or copy or things like that? You know, what are the assets that I can provide where I can literally say, hey, this is a course and I'm going to teach you how to do it, but we wanted to save you time and help you take action. If you create courses like that, you are going to be way more successful because what's going to happen is that your students then will get results faster and then they're going to get good results and they're going to be really happy with your course and they'll give you a good testimonial and you'll use those testimonials on your sales page and that'll help you make more sales and it's just the snowball effect. That's called a win-win situation there. Win-win. <laughs> exactly. So just to wrap things up, um, what's one piece of not advice but like a strategy advice that you'll tell someone just starting from zero right now? Just that one piece of strategy advice that someone can use and implement right away. As an infopreneur, I think it is essential to build your personal brand. You know, maybe 10 years ago, we saw a ton of people that were doing blogs that had these like really cutesy blog names, but that time is long gone. People are now doing business one-to-one, human-to-human, person-to-person, and especially as an infopreneur, you are your first case study. People want to learn from you. You are the expert. And so you really need to be building up that personal brand and putting yourself out there. So go buy your own name as your domain name, Grab all of your social media handles as your domain name. Go get professional photos taken for your website. You know, present yourself as a personal brand from the very start because that is where you're going to find success as an infopreneur. Awesome. Awesome. Bailey, thank you for your time. Thank you for dropping so much thunder and, and, and advice, strategies, so much content and, and fire in here. Um, where can people find you? Thanks for asking. They can definitely look at all my materials, my blog, find my courses, things like that at baileyrichard.com. Guys, if you didn't listen to that, it's baileyrichard.com. I please I strongly suggest you guys um, opt in because her emails are killer. Bailey, thank you for your time. Hey, junkies. Thanks for listening to another Sales Funnel Junkie podcast. Hopefully you saw the importance on how to run an online event and how you can leverage an online summit to boost up your credibility, join business partners, and grow your business. Uh, Make sure to leave us a five-star review. And guys, see you on the next episode.